This is Take Care, a health and wellness show produced by WRVO Public Media. I'm Jason Smith. And I'm Katherine Loper. Diets come and go for the most part. Cutting out carbs or sugar is still an option for many. But other diets with different kinds of restrictions are becoming commonplace too. Intermittent fasting is one of those diets. It involves limiting when you eat and sometimes even how much you eat. Joining us to discuss intermittent fasting is registered dietitian nutritionist Carrie Gans. Gans is author of The Small Change Diet. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. There have been a lot of fads over the years that claim to help people lose weight. And right now, some of those fads that we're seeing include things like the paleo diet, Whole30, keto, and one that's very popular right now is intermittent fasting. So before we get into the specifics of it, can you explain what intermittent fasting is? There's actually many different types of intermittent fasting. The two most popular are the following. One version is called the 5-2. And that's where a person eats whatever they want for five days. And then for two days, they basically fast. They eat no more than 500 calories. So five days of eating whatever, two days of total fasting. Then the other that's more popular is where a person basically eats during a set time throughout the day, usually only for eight hours. So that could be 12 to 8 eight to four, and when they're not eating within that set time, they are fasting. So it could be as much as 16 hours without any food. So how does it work? What happens to your body when you're in one of these fasting periods? Physiologically, it's hard for me to say. What I do know is that it's what's happening for many people. It's the restricting of calories. So basically, when they're fasting, they're not eating. And there's only so many calories that most people will consume in those set eight hours of eating. And so all diets are restrictive either in what you can and can't eat or when you can and can't eat. So how does this compare with other diets? Because it seems like with intermittent fasting, at the very least, you can still kind of eat what you want. You're just kind of restricting the time you can eat. Bingo. Exactly. It is like a lot of diets in that there's the word restriction there. It might not be restricting your food choices, but it is restricting the quantity that you eat when you eat. So there's restrictions set on yourself, but a little different than it might be in some of the other popular fad diets. Is this like the other fad diets where the goal is just to lose weight or do you see any health benefits to intermittent fasting? All right. There's two answers to that question. The first answer will start with, are there any health benefits? There has been some research that will suggest that those following intermittent fasting will lose weight. So it could be successful. However, there's also some signs to support calorie-restricted diets. So any diet that restricts calories, one can lose weight. The bottom line is, can you keep it up? is always the ultimate question, because that's what makes a lot of these just another fad diet. It's restrictions, whether it's the food, it's the lifestyle, but it makes it that an individual cannot continue it, and therefore they fail, and then they're looking for the next fad diet. Yeah, and I would have to imagine there, along with any other kind of diet or situation where you're restricting what you're eating, there have to be some negative aspects too. I mean, I I can imagine like if you follow intermittent fasting for a while and then you get off of it and you try to go back onto it, that could be a way to, to maybe introduce some unhealthy eating habits. 
Right. I mean, definitely somebody who has a history of any type of eating disorder should not go on intermittent fasting. It would not be recommended because of the idea of restricting when you eat and literally fasting. So that's not necessarily a healthy concept for many people. But some people have shown success. I mean, I won't deny that. I sometimes think it's better maybe like a modified version of intermittent fasting, where maybe you say to yourself, it's eight o'clock tonight, I'm done eating. I'm not gonna eat till the morning. And just think of all the calories that so many people consume with late night noshing, that if they had that mentality, they wouldn't be eating those calories. Let's talk a little bit more about the long-term effects, if you can. Does fasting have any effect on, let's say, sleep patterns or your immune system or your metabolism? Well, the research is not necessarily yet on the, I can't speak of the immune, okay, because I don't know how it will affect it. The research is supporting, once again, long-term, you could lose weight. But with anything, it really depends upon, if you're intermittent fasting, but the foods that you're choosing are not healthy foods, well then at the end of the day, you're gonna be lacking in certain nutrients that would be important to let's say build your immune system. So we need to step away from the actual concept and look at the foods that a person is actually eating. I mean, for some people I will say though, not eating so close to bedtime could possibly help them sleep better. You're a dietitian and you're a nutritionist. If you had a client come in and say, I want to explore intermittent fasting, what would you tell them? First, I'd ask why. (laughs) That's the ultimate question. Why do you want to make your life more difficult when healthy eating doesn't have to be so hard? I mean, I guess, I mean, maybe I'm making it sound easier than it is, but I don't think that a person needs to restrict themselves in order to have a healthy eating regimen or routine, let's not make it sound so strict as regiment. And then I would be first encouraging them to see if we could learn to to teach them about portion sizes and how to eat more fruits and vegetables and still eat the foods they love because that's important, but maybe in a healthier way, maybe not as often, maybe in a smaller serving. So I'd wanna first see if we could make ground in just learning to eat healthier in general. But if they say to me, in all honesty, if they said, oh, I've tried that, I've done that, it doesn't work, I would rather first try if they're healthy and they're not on any medications, then I might say to them, let's try the version where we eat every day, but we eat throughout the eight hours. I feel a little bit more comfortable with that version than the five on and two off. It seems like with that version where you eat for eight hours, I guess depending on the time of day that you do it, what it really kind of boils down to is that you're essentially skipping breakfast. If you stop eating at dinner time and you don't eat again until, let's say, 11 or 12 the next day, when you think about it that way, it almost doesn't sound that restrictive. But in essence, you are still restricting what you eat. Right. And I would argue I'm a huge breakfast fan. Now, research doesn't necessarily support, believe it or not, those that eat breakfast are thinner. However, I would argue those that eat breakfast are getting certain nutrients that they might not get throughout the rest of the day. They get more fiber. They may get more fiber because a lot of whole grains are eaten at breakfast. Maybe more vitamin C because more fruit is eaten in the morning. So there's more options for healthier nutrients that I feel that they might miss if they skip breakfast. 
I want to go back to something that you just talked about. If you had a client come in and they said they wanted to try intermittent fasting, your first question would be why? It sounds like with any diet, there's often a psychological aspect to this. So and part of your job is, is you kind of have to drill down and kind of understand why somebody wants to lose weight to begin with, right? It ha- everything kind of boils down to it being psychological. You have to understand that in order to help. And that's the whole thing. You know, I hate even using the word diet. Everyone's different. And what will motivate a person to lose weight versus somebody else. I mean, I like to talk about it as a lifestyle change. And it's important for me to get to know the individual and know what their lifestyle is. Because, you know, somebody might have small children at home. Somebody might be, have no children in the house anymore. Somebody might live alone. There's all different factors that can affect somebody's eating. And it's important to get to the bottom of that in order to help a person. You, like most people in your field, obviously aren't a big fan of diets. Uh, you wrote a book called The Small Change Diet, but it's not really a diet. It's sort of like these small habitual changes that people can make to have an impact on their weight. Can you talk about some of those small changes? I wrote the book because that's what I firmly believe, in that it should not be an all-or-nothing approach. And that's what diet usually typically means. People feel I go on, then I go off. What I tried to focus on in my book is like committing to some small changes, like saying, okay, maybe the first thing I'm going to do is actually eat breakfast. Maybe you're not eating breakfast at all. Because I've seen a lot of people have been successful with breakfast and helping them to lose weight, anecdotally, then I would say, all right, let's start finding a way for you to eat breakfast. And maybe that starts off with, it's just a banana. Okay, small change. Then maybe you add a yogurt to that banana. Maybe then you add a whole grain cereal. So we start to build on what would be a better, well-balanced breakfast. But from the start, it's small. If you're not eating any vegetables, I'm not going to say to a person, start and eat five to seven vegetables a day. I'm going to say, choose one. And whatever that vegetable is, if it's just carrots, I'm sorry, that's a vegetable. Let's choose something. Let's find a way to make it inclusive into what you're presently doing. Get it so it becomes second nature, then move on, then tackle something else. Too many diets ask somebody to change their entire lifestyle at once, and that sets them up for failure. Yeah, it seems like the idea that you're talking about is to not necessarily restrict what you eat or when you eat, but to create those better habits. Because if you do create those restrictions, you're, you're bound to fail. Right. And it's also switching the whole conversation. Let's talk about it. It's more about what you should be doing more of and not what you shouldn't be doing. And if you create some of these better habits, maybe some of the lesser, the habits that aren't as healthy for you, they start to naturally fall by the wayside. So we're not focusing on getting rid of anything. We're focusing on improvement. And then with that, hopefully everything falls into place. In your opinion, does any diet work? Is there any successful diet out there? You know, I'm going to say it depends upon the individual, to be honest with you. It really does. I mean, there's so many different diets out there. I'm not a fan of the four-letter word. I prefer for an individual to concentrate on changing a lifestyle, and that's not necessarily a diet. So I can't, I mean, some people have been successful, but the question is for how long? And that's the bottom line. Are you successful and what do you, how do you, how do you even talk about success? What is success? How do we measure success? Well, I want to thank you for being with us today. You're very welcome.